When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. Let's talk about money. So, with the Republicans in Congress just passing a tax reform bill, a lot of our listeners have been thinking about their own taxes. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to dive too much into the policy, but I actually think the new year is a really optimal time to look forward at tax planning. And tax planning is about the least sexy words, two words in the English language. (laughs) Um, But I really think that it's a chance to make some new habits that can help you save for your future while possibly saving on taxes. Um, And we've talked before about, I don't think, I think even if you really support the existence of taxes and are a huge fan of wealth transfers, you still have a responsibility to take advantage of whatever tax loopholes possible because I don't think we have any listeners that are among the uber rich uh, (laughs) on Oh My Dollar. Um, It would be an interesting target group for a podcast. We'll work on that. Yeah. And I generally, Um. you know, we're a huge fan of retirement savings and that's one of the most awesome ways that you can optimize your taxes. So Mm. um, listener Eva wrote in with a tax question of her own and I think it's a good jumping off place. You emphasize that solo 401ks are an option to pay less taxes. I did some research and learned that a portion could be put in a Roth 401k, but the Roth would be after taxes, so it wouldn't benefit me this year. I'm currently in a low bracket. My business is expected to make about $45,000 this year and have no employees. I already have a Roth IRA and an SEP IRA and an HSA. I plan to max those out and throw in any extra I can manage into a solo 401k. My thinking is to invest in a regular 401k rather than put more in a Roth. I'd rather hedge my bets and save taxes for 2017, but I also plan to make more as I get older, so maybe it would be clever to invest in the Roth solo 401k now so I don't have to pay a ton in taxes down the road. Thoughts? Yes, this is, okay, this is excellent, and I feel like Eva is stuck in um, the situation that a lot of people are, which is that if you're self-employed, there's actually so many different possible types of accounts to save for retirement in that you can easily start to become overwhelmed. Right, it sounds like there's a lot of options. Um, and uh, she also made another mistake. So I got back to her and I essentially said, hey, you're making $45,000 a year and you're already maxing out your Roth, which is uh, $5,500 a year, unless you're over the age of 50 and are doing catch-up contributions. Um, are you also going to be able to max out your SEP or SEP IRA? And she didn't realize that the SEP IRA, which is a self-employed plan um, individual retirement arrangement, we're oh, going okay. to call it SEP IRA. So has, the SEP is self-employed plan 
for, for IRAs, okay. and it has nothing to do with the Roth and the traditional IRA limits. Okay. Very frustrating, right? <laughs> uh-huh. um, so she made the assumption that because it had IRA at the end of the name, it meant that the maximum was $5,500, like the traditional and the Roth are. Not true. The SEP IRA is actually um, 25% of your gross income from being self-employed. So for her, it would be around $11,250 because she made $45,000 gross from her business. She wrote back and said that um, it's unlikely that she's going to be able to uh, contribute the maximum for her SEP IRA plus the maximum for her Roth because that'd be about $16,000 total. Um, So she doesn't really need to worry about the solo 401k at all. The SEP IRA and the solo 401k are essentially the same. Um, And a lot of people do not realize when they're self-employed that they're essentially the same. They have pretty much the same tax advantages. The only thing is because our tax code is so complicated, Mm -hmm. they can have different limits. So in Eva's case, her limit would be 25% of, uh, it's 25% of gross, so $11,250 for the SEP. Yeah. The solo 401k, your limit is $18,000, which is traditionally your limit on a 401k at your job. Okay. Plus 20% of the net, which is your income after expenses for your plan. So in this case, she'd be allowed to put more in her solo 401k than the SEP IRA. Yes. Okay. And so the basic rule of thumb is that um, your... One, this doesn't matter too much if you're on the lower income side unless you're a super saver who's able to save huge amounts of your income. Mm -hmm. Usually the limits are going to be more than you're going to be able to save regardless if you're kind of on a if you're a solo employed person and you're not making a ton of money. But if you have what's called a capital intensive business, meaning that you have a lot of expenses. So a great example is like I'm printing books in my business this year. Books are really expensive to make. That means I have a high gross income but a lower net income because I'm spending a lot on expenses because there's physical things I need to buy. So in that case, because it's capital intensive, it's better for if I want a higher limit, it's better for me to go for the SEP because it's 25% of gross and my gross income is high. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but if for example, I had a low capital intensive business. So if I'm a graphic designer, for example, and I don't necessarily have a lot of expenses because majority of my work is virtual mm-hmm. and I'm not producing physical objects, then um, it's quite likely that the solo 401k might be a better option. And that is because it's um, 18000 plus 20% of your net income. And your net oh. income is likely pretty high versus the gross i understand does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah so um don't spend it this is one of those things where you can do the math once a year and it's fine um i also would not recommend switching between a solo 401k and a sep back and forth year to year (laughs) um simply because that's a lot of accounts to manage um Mm. so like in general i always recommend first maxing out either your roth or your traditional ira first because that is the most flexible and the easiest for you. And the next, move on to lowering your taxable income through either a SEP or a solo 401k. Um, Eva also talked about the Roth versus traditional characterization. I think we've covered that plenty in previous. It's pre-tax versus post-tax. Um, so you can go listen to our other episodes on And then retirement. that's mostly just an individual tax strategy sort of decision, right? Exactly. So this is why... 
But this is one of the really awesome things. People do not realize how amazing saving for retirement can be for lowering your taxes. Um, especially if you're self-employed, because quite often a lot of those tax credits are triggered after your adjustable gross income, which happens after you contribute to both your health savings account and to your 401k. So you can put yourself in a category where you actually could qualify for things like the health care subsidy or the savers credit and things like that, those cool tax credits. You can actually qualify for them by lowering your total income by saving more for your future. Okay. Okay. I think I get that. Does that make sense? Uh Uh-huh. So this is a really excellent way to reduce your tax liability in 2018 is increasing your retirement savings in tax-deferred plans. Um, Remember, if your income is um, quite low, so if you're in the um, category where you qualify for the saver's credit, which we've talked about in the previous episode, the government will pay you to save for retirement. So usually rule of thumb, if you're... um, Single, it's going to be if you're under about 30K uh, in gross income. Um, If you qualify for the savers credit, then you actually can tax deduct the Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. Everyone else can just deduct a uh, traditional type of plans from your taxes. Okay, neat. Um, You're the one exception if you have a low income and you're putting money in a Roth, then you can actually qualify for the savers credit. Interesting. Okay. Um, So that's one thing to look at. Uh, We've talked about also just ramping up that amount that you are saving in your retirement by 1% each month. Or if you get a raise, take half of whatever the raise you get is and throw it in retirement. You won't even feel it. Right. So if you get a 3% raise, throw 1.5% into your retirement uh, account and you won't even notice it because it comes out before you get your paycheck. Super. Um, And you'll save more on taxes. That seems like a great plan. Yeah. Here's some other things you can do. You could increase the amount that you contribute to a health savings account um, because those are tax advantaged. We've talked about those in previous episodes. Right. So that counts against your overall tax burden, right? Yeah. Um, If you're a 1099 employee, you can look forward at some of what the purchases that you can make, you can plan to make this year are. So perhaps you want to buy a laptop or you are going to maybe take a trip and you can find a way to justify it as a business trip and then that's a tax write-off. So think ahead about the kind of things that you could be buying. Toner for your printer at home. Toner is expensive, man. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah. Um, More than blood. And if you have not been keeping track of those kind of expenses and you do have 1099 income, start doing it. You've already saved money on taxes. (laughs) If you own a home, consider being a small-time landlord. Obviously, don't do this if you're really not into this, but even if you rent out just a small portion of your home, say a bedroom on Airbnb occasionally, you can start to qualify for some excellent tax benefits um, because essentially the way the tax code is written is it's real generous to people that are landlords. (laughs) Thanks to all of the people in Congress who vote on the tax bills and how many of them are landlords. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) So just being a small-time landlord, either renting out a room in your house, means that you qualify for depreciation. Also, you might get some extra income, which is really excellent. You could be paying less on your house. Yeah. Cool. Um, And you can write off, essentially, the cost of your house degrading over time. Hmm. (laughs) Which you couldn't do normally. 
Um, it's you can only do it if you have a, if your your house is a business. So you can write off your mortgage interest at any time, but depreciation is only true if your house is a business. But your oh. house is a business if you yeah, rent. If you're a landlord. Yeah, oh. if you're a landlord, and you I can see. even just do Airbnb for like usually rule of thumb is more than twenty days a year, but. 21 days a year is not that many days to have someone staying in your house. You might even be out of town for that. And then suddenly you you run a small landlord business and could write off depreciation. Cool. That's a great idea. All right. Look into, if you own a home, look into tax advantages for energy savings. So in many states, things like energy audits for your home, solar panel investments, even just caulking your windows can get you tax benefits. (laughs) Just by making the whole thing more energy effective. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this is the tax code is the way we like to incentivize behavior. And so we like to people to, you know, use less energy. And Mm -hmm. so quite often there's tax benefits you can get in your state. So look into it and maybe make some plans for it this year. Super. All right. One Fun thing that you can do is if you work from home and you either do it for the convenience of your employer, if you work for a traditional employer, not just because you like to stay home sometimes, but because your employer says, uh, we don't have enough desks for everyone, so you need to work from home (laughs) on Fridays, which totally happens to people. Or if you're self-employed, even just part-time, you can take what's called the home office deduction. You don't need to own your house. Um, But the area that you work from home must be dedicated to work only. So in my case, we have a second bedroom in our apartment that we actually pay a little bit more on rent, but I'm able to write off the portion of our rent that the square footage of that second bedroom is as a home office. Um, But so say that you've been kind of occasionally working from couch or under cat or something like that. Um, Consider actually dedicating, putting up a small table or something in the corner. You don't, it doesn't have to be. There doesn't need to be a door. It doesn't need to be a separate room. It just needs to be designated for work. Designated for work. It needs to be like, if the IRS was going to come visit your house, they would be able to say, that is obviously work (laughs) and work only. Um, There's also some, there is always some really cool, like, artists that lived in their art loft and tax deducted their entire art loft because they just jacked their bed up to the ceiling on ropes. uh, (laughs) And the IRS said, okay, fine, that's a home office. Okay, as long as it counts, yeah. Yeah, and you know, in Portland, we pay such high rent. This is totally for a lot of people. This is this can really save you a ton of money on taxes. So consider it. It might be worth it to have that dedicated space yeah, really. to be able to write it off. You can also write write off the portion of your internet and your utilities that you use for work. Again, though, would you specifically need that that for utilities? Home you need to huh. write off the percentage of the square footage. Um, for something like internet, it's the percentage of the internet that you use for business. So if you spend about 20% of your time at home streaming Netflix and about 80% of your time doing work remotely, then 80% of your internet could be written off as a business expense. Oh, interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So gives a lot of things to look into to save on taxes. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, you could always have more kids. Kids are excellent tax credits. Um, So if you already have some kids, you might want to look into benefits at work. You may have um, child care benefits and things like that at work that you can um, save money for summer camps and stuff like that in an account. Remember, summer camps and day camps and after school care are all tax deductible for your kids. Um, So keep those receipts. Keep track of them because it could really save you a ton on taxes. And um, if you pop out another kid, they're also tax deductible. (laughs) Well, super. That's another one to bear in mind. (laughs) Uh, This is not the Oh My Dollar podcast telling you to procreate, but... (laughs)
But if you do, but save if money. You do, <laughs> yeah, might as well get that tax benefit. Um, you can get them in just under the wire. You're, you get a tax write-off as long as the kid was born before December 31st, midnight. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to hearing how you're going to pay less taxes next year. And I think that wraps our show for today. Yeah. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Oh My Dollar has a simple goal-setting tool that you can download on our website at ohmydollar.com goals and help you set your financial goals for 2018. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.